shock the system. Welcome to Dank Discussions with your host, Calican CEO, Maynard Breslow. In each episode, you'll learn from the trailblazers, leaders, entrepreneurs, and influencers in the ever-moving, ever-growing cannabis industry. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dank Discussions. Today, we're joined by Morris Beagle. Morris is the president of WAFBA, also known as We Are For Better Alternatives. He's the producer of NOCO Hemp Expo and the publisher of Let's Talk Hemp Media. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Morris. Thanks for having me on, Maynard. Pleasure to be here. Happy to have you on. You know, you got your own podcast. Happy to have you on this one. So, uh, you know, we'll kind of turn the tables a little bit here usually, right? Usually you're the host and uh, here we go, you know, see, uh, see how it is to be on the other side of the mic. Well, excited to chat with you. Definitely, definitely. I know you're vetting this. So, um, you know, today we'll be talking about a lot of cool stuff. We talk about obviously about stuff that you got going on with WAFBA and NOCO Hemp Expo and Let's Talk Hemp Media, but uh, also talking about, you know, events, trade shows, uh, other ways that we can use hemp with paper printing. And of course, I'm excited to talk to you about it, hemp guitars. And, uh, and then towards the end there, we'll talk about uh, kind of what you got going on in the future and uh, talk about the, the Mexican market as well, which I know is uh, very exciting. So get into all of that. And before we get into everything, uh, let's start off easy. Let our listeners know where you're based out of today. I am based out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Very cool. Very cool. The uh, kind of ground zero, right? You know, I'm from L.A., uh, I used to think that we're the OGs and now uh, in the rec market, obviously, uh, Colorado. So um, how are things going down there? And, you know, in terms of a lot of times when we talk about Colorado, obviously, everybody wants to talk about uh, the THC side, right? Marijuana, everything. But you're mostly involved with the hemp side. Is that correct? That is correct. And yeah, the, of course, the THC thing has been big out here for a long time. We legalized medical back in the early 2000s, and it became more prominent with opening up dispensaries in like 2009, 2010. And then in 2012, we passed Amendment 64 that allowed us to be the first adult use state to regulate marijuana like alcohol. And then Washington passed. And, you know, we've done a pretty good job on the THC side you guys in California have had some issues and uh, yeah, that's for sure. You know, the, the legacy growers and stuff aren't real happy with the program yeah. out there. And, and that's totally understandable. I mean, this whole thing, yeah. the way it's rolled out and other players that are coming in and forcing out those that have been putting their lives and livelihoods on the line for decades and stuff like that and getting forced out of the market. It's, you know, it's just unfortunately the way it is, but, in 2012, when we legalized adult use, it also allowed us to start growing industrial hemp here in Colorado before the farm bill in 2014. So we really were the first to come out of the gates and get a little bit of a head start on everybody. And we've kind of maintained the leadership role here in the Colorado area. We've got a governor, Governor Jared Polis, who was our congressman before, and he's been a leading advocate for hemp and cannabis on the federal level as well as the state level and done really a pretty dang good job in, you know, most of the aspects of, of helping us establish a good market on both the THC side and the, the hemp side. That's great. I think when you have a good leadership from the top and somebody who actually supports uh, the industry, not just for, you know, monetary political reasons, but really because uh, for the right kind of reasons, right? I think that's one of the things that we're, we're missing in California and that a lot of states are missing um, that we've missed a mark on. He brought up something, a great point, right? I think uh, we've definitely struggled in California, um, as you said, specifically with the legacy market and people getting pushed out who had been doing this, who really had been the advocates and the people who have been pushing for the market for, for decades upon decades. And, um, you know, then it was just a matter of pushing. Why, why do you think Colorado's done such a better job um, or do you, you know, of, of not ruffling those kind of feathers, so to speak, or, or kind of uh, bring in the legacy market as opposed to California, that there's really such a, such a split there. Uh, I think it comes down to our political leadership and our uh, advocates and activists and the way things were, initially regulated 
and not that we haven't had our own problems. I mean, you could look at the the medical side of things and say that they've been shit on and it's all going recreational and patients still don't have the rights that they should have. And I'm sure that they're probably right. They've got reason to bitch about that. But in California, you guys have been you know, Humboldt and, the you know, Mendocino and all that up there. This has been going on longer than it has in Colorado. You guys truly are the legacy side of the marijuana business. And I just think California is its own thing with you've got what, 50 different counties, 50 different ag uh, administrators, and you've got all these different government agencies who've got their hands and stuff. And it's looking at it from the outside, you guys just look like a complete clusterfuck. I <laughs> know yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's like kind of sad to, to say, right. Especially coming from the legacy market myself and um, being, you know, right there driving up to Humboldt uh, every, every few weeks and uh, you know, and, and now seeing what, what's kind of gone on, especially in, in LA to see what a clusterfuck it is there in terms of having, you know, you drive down Sherman way, you drive down anywhere in LA, right. And you're going to find probably uh, uh, four or five, uh, dispensaries on each block or each corner. And probably two or three of those are, are uh, legacy. And, uh, and it's just kind of like, how do you really allow people to, to thrive on either side? Right. Um, when, when you have people who are trying to do things regulatory and you're trying to have people who, who are legacy and, and they're both getting fucked. Right. So it's kind of um, it's, it's been really, really difficult in that regard. Um, you know, and, and I don't really see an end to it really happen, you know, at, at this point, really, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. I'm not sure really how you fix it because with government involved the way they are, and once it becomes federally legal or decriminalized and it will, I mean, we're, mm-hmm. you know, we were hopeful with Biden and Harris that, you know, they ran on this platform that, Hey, we're going to decriminalize cannabis at the federal level. And, and sure they're dealing with the pandemic and stuff, but I don't think either one of those fucks have any intention of really doing what they said. And they're here. We have typical politicians exactly. saying things to get elected. You know, Trump could have done it. Obama could have done it. And, you know, it's failure after failure from the top at the federal level, but you got all this government involved in California's government with Newsom. And just, again, it's just like really fucked up. Compared to looking at Colorado, which we've got our own problems, Oregon's got problems, but, you know, it seems, uh-huh. well, that seems better there. New York's got problems, but that, it seems like they're rolling out some things that are pretty yeah. good for that market. Yeah. For Again, it, we'll have to see how it all unfolds the next three to five to 10 years. We're going to have, marijuana is available everywhere. It yeah, is. And, I mean, and it's, it's impossible to shut down. They couldn't shut it down. So you, you need to tax and regulate it. But it has to be done in a way where it allows people to participate, especially the compromised communities, the diverse communities, uh-huh. people of color that have been fucked by this entire thing for decades and decades and decades. They have to be able to participate, participate. You know, they it can't be run by a bunch of white guys with a bunch of money that eliminate these people from being able to. Um, have access to participation. They paid the price for a long time. And, you know, I just hope that in the end that this plant can be able to be a platform for everybody to heal and to make a living at and just participate. Oh, definitely. You bring up a lot of great points there. I mean, obviously it's surprising and uh, uh, hopeful with what New York's been able to do, you know, but like you said, right. I mean, it's not surprising uh, a politician lying. Right. I mean, my whole thing is left, right, whatever it is, show me a politician, I'll show you a liar, you know, kind of thing. So it's, uh, it's nothing new, obviously. And obviously being from legacy market and seeing what's been going on for, for decades, um, it's, uh, that's nothing new either. Right. So, um, but in terms of Morris Beagle, right. I mean, you obviously you've been around for, for quite a while. Um, and, um, you know, I'd love to hear your story, right. Taking back all the way back your relationship with cannabis, your, your history with cannabis and kind of what's led to this plethora of, of projects that you have going on. So I grew up here in Colorado, Northern Colorado, Loveland, Colorado is where I graduated high school, grew up on a farm initially, a little 17 acre farm. We didn't grow anything. We had cows and horses and chickens and cats and dogs and ducks and, um, Played sports growing up, started my relationship with cannabis in high school, 
recreationally and have continued on with that. I really found the medical benefit side of it. Um, in the early 2000s, I had a back surgery and was prescribed Vicodin and Percocet and painkillers and shit like that. And that didn't really bode well for me um, after utilizing those things with alcohol and stuff. I mean, that's hard on your liver, hard on your body. And I really started utilizing the plant more medicinally. Um, and at this time, I was also I'm, got in the music industry right out of high school and have done a lot of stuff in the music industry from promoting independent music, doing CD and DVD manufacturing and packaging and product distribution, concerts and festivals, kind of a jack of all trades is where I come from, from the music industry. And then in 2012 with Amendment 64 in Colorado legalizing adult use, um, the music industry for me, I was really a physical media guy, CDs and DVDs and and all of that. And that was crushed by the internet starting in the mid two thousands with Napster and MP3 and peer to peer file sharing and, and really hard to make money in the industry. And so I had to find a pivot and I pivoted to the industrial hemp industry. I really didn't want to be involved in the marijuana side. You know, I appreciate the recreational use and the medicinal use, but it's like, Hey, here's a side of the plant that actually can provide society a lot of amazing opportunities to clean up the planet, um, to create local economies. You know, we can grow this stuff and we can create materials for paper or plastics or building materials or textiles. And um, we can sequester carbon into the soil. Uh, we can create food and protein and animal foods. And and so that's where I jumped into and to lend my skill set of promoting like I did independent music and doing events and so forth. And it led to me creating a initially Colorado hemp company. And we were working with textiles and bags and t-shirts. And then I created a paper company because I found it. A, I found a hemp paper in San Diego called Greenfield, Greenfield paper. And coming from the printing industry, I started doing business cards and flyers and brochures and marketing collateral and simple things like that. And then I launched NoCo Hemp Expo in 2014 and a media platform in 2015 with Let's Talk Hemp. And here I am in 2022 with a bunch of events that I work with and a media platform and hemp paper and started doing hemp guitars coming from the music industry and, you know, promoting the possibilities of what this plant can do for local economies and, you know, domestic economies and global economies. And we're just scratching the surface. We've been impeded by government, just like the, the THC side has been. And that in itself, we can get into a little bit further, but I've got my chip on my shoulder with the USDA, the DEA, and particularly right now, the FDA, who I think is corrupt to the fucking core. No, definitely. I mean, just in terms of, uh, I mean, just all about the money, right? How much money you got, how much, uh, can you, how connected you are and what can you do to, to push this forward, right? How much can we pay us for that? So there's no doubt about the corruption. Um, I mean, these are all master politicians too, right? So, sure. but you mentioned, right? I mean, obviously you're, you're one of your main gigs and in, in getting into it. I mean, it, it took so much, I think, foresight and, um, you know, just kind of getting in so early in that regard. I mean, it's not that it's early. This was also something from hundreds of years ago, right? Was the paper, the printing, the textiles, all this kind of stuff. And now, you know, fast forward to, to 2012, 2016, 2018, 2020, 2022, even, right? I mean, there's this obsession with, with cannabinoids, THC, CBD, CBG, CBN, terpenes, everything else is going on. And it still seems like it's, it's, I mean, the whole reason why Reefer Madness, everything even happened in the first place, to my understanding was, because of the uh, timber industry, right? That, the, that they really wanted to do away with, with hemp and, and they really wanted to be able to, to, to create this paper and, and hemp was standing in the way of their, right? You know, hemp paper and being able to, to mass produce this. Um, and they really did a number on that industry, obviously, that, that now all these years later, we have the um, hemp farm bill and everything. And still it's been slow, slow to adopt, um, getting back into paper, printing, textiles, everything like that. I mean, do you agree? And then kind of, why do you think the reason for that is? Well, I think that there's some misinformation with 
how this all came about in the thirties and, you know, it was leading up through the twenties and yeah, I do think the big industry from the timber industry and the petroleum industry uh, thought that hemp and plant-based options were a threat to what they could do and produce on an industrial scale. But I also think that this was kind of the formation of our medical, uh, the, the pharmaceutical industry and kind of this medical regime that had it out for cannabis. And it had this big umbrella that took out hemp. It took out obviously cannabinoids. And here's the beginning of the, the medical industry that we've got right now, the pharmaceutical industry still really is so powerful. And I think that we've seen that with Pfizer and the power that Pfizer has in pointing them out, you know, above everybody else in the pharmaceutical industry, because you look at how much advertising they do across all media platforms and from the pandemic and everybody being shut down and censored. This is why we're still not having CBD as a dietary supplement is because of the pharmaceutical industry oh. and the FDA cowering to these guys and being their wingman and just waiting for the pharmaceutical industry to basically dictate everything. Pfizer just made a six, $7 billion investment to get into the cannabis industry. These fuckers are coming and they want to control everything. They want to control the customer base. They don't care about natural health, but the good thing is, is there's millions and billions of us that don't have to go along with these guys and don't have to comply. And, you know, moving forward with, okay, we've been talking about cannabinoids. We do have this fiber and grain side, and that's why I got into the business. And if we're going to have a world that can be healthy where we've got good soil and we can eat good organic and regenerative foods and take the medicine that's going to keep us healthy, which that medicine is food and it's cannabis. It's not pharmaceuticals where we're going to the doctor and getting prescribed this and this and this for whatever ailment we might have. It's eating nutrient dense superfoods that the natural products industry is putting out, the cannabis industry is putting out, that we're growing ourselves and, and we're living in healthy houses that are built by hempcrete and use, using hemp insulation. And we're using uh, plastics potentially that are made out of biomaterial like hemp or flax or bamboo. You know, we, we're going to turn the tables of the shit that's been going on for the last hundred years. And um, again, we're just at the beginning. I know that about it. I mean, you know, obviously we were talking about, wow, a lot of uh, sinister things at play here and it's not a joke. There's no tinfoil involved, right? I mean, this is just, no. this is history, you know? So um, it's uh, a lot of crazy stuff in terms of all the corruption, how deep it runs, right? And we're going against giants at this point, right? I mean, the, the, the way they've been able to build their industries um, and just have it so interwoven with each other and the, and the regulations and the government and, you know, there is really all just one thing at this point. Right. Um, we make, you know, we we're talking about earlier, right. The, how obviously, you know, the, the war on drugs is really a war on black and brown people. Right. And how so many people are just, you know, rich white guys, but really even with that going on, it's, it's peanuts compared to what's going on in those other industries, um, you know, with Pfizer and with the uh, FDA and everything that goes on with that. I mean, how do we, you know, Morris Maynard, anybody who's listening, how can we really make a dent? Is it just like us from a grassroots uh, level, so to speak, right? Starting to build our houses with, with hempcrete, um, doing insulation with hemp and everything like that. Or is there some way to, to kind of, uh, to build our own industry in that regard and, and make it something that's formidable and, and known and, and, and adopted by others? Well, I think that's what we're trying to do with events like NOCO Hemp Expo, where we've, been putting out really honest, truthful information about what this plant can do for society in so many different areas. And you see other events in the cannabis space. And, you know, if we're talking events across the board, you got MJ Biz and NCIA and, you know, these events that are out there trying to really put out information about how this plant can impact society in a positive way. And, 
you know, for the industrial side, I look to Canada, who's been legal for 20 years and putting out really good food products and health products for a long time. I look to Europe, who's got hemp flax and Dun Agro, who are producing materials that are going into BMW and Mercedes, and they're building homes in France and commercial buildings. And they've done a great job in Europe for at least starting this boutique, smaller type of industry that really has a lot of data behind it now that shows that these uh, materials are providing a greener alternative than a lot of the petroleum materials or cotton or timber that's not near as renewable as hemp is, where we can grow this stuff in three to four months you process it and it's just renewable materials that can go into the industrial side of things. That's not extracting resources from the earth. It's growing them. That's the way that we've been doing this our entire existence up until the industrial revolution. Uh And this extraction of resources is finite. And we know that. The data shows us that we all know that. And how are we going to move from extracting all of our resources to growing our resources, harnessing the power of the sun and the power of the wind and the power of hydro and utilizing these renewable resources that are harmonious and synergistic um, so that our society and humans can thrive for hundreds to thousands of years to come? Because if we don't do it, we're all fucking dead. We're all done. And I mean, that's that's the crazy thing, right? I mean, it's how how deep can the greed go um, where we're literally, you know, mortgaging our lives, our children's lives, our grandchildren's lives just for the sake of profit. Right. I mean, uh, can knock people for for business and all that stuff. But these guys, yeah, fuck these guys. These guys are psychos. They're sociopaths. And it's just a whole nother level. You know, it's one thing to be a business owner. It's one thing to you know, to, to, uh, to get profit, everything like that. But the way that these guys have, have really, like you said, sucked the earth dry of, of resources for this. I mean, it's just absolutely, it's absolutely, it's another word that's in this maniacal, right? So, right. Um, well, we got to be stewards of the earth. We got to be citizens of the earth and all of us individually within our own little ecosystem need to stand up and, you know, be, it, be examples, lead by example. Um, I've got a, a mantra, nothing shall be louder than the truth. And we all have to stand up and speak our truth. And I think those that stand up and speak holistically about the earth and, and try to live their lives by doing the right thing. And people say, oh, you drive a car that's got gasoline, you know, you need petroleum. It's like, well, yeah, you know, petroleum's certainly interweaved with all that we do right now. But we have to have the mindset that we can transition from this and how do we effectively transition from where we are now to where we're going to go in 20, 30, 40 years. And that's by not looking at alternative energy and green solutions saying, Oh, that's all fake. It's all bullshit. And although because of greed and some of the stuff that's gone on yeah, there's, there's that too. There's greenwashing that's going on. But I think that collectively we're smart enough now and there's enough technology and a lot enough data out there for us to make better decisions about better alternatives than we have in the past. I definitely want to talk to you more about, you know, uh, the events, trade shows and how we're able to make a difference, you know, with, with no co hemp expo and everything like that. But before we do that, I mean, I got to touch on hemp guitars, right? I mean, you talked about your, your career in the music industry and, uh, how really Napster, Morpheus, all these kind of things kind of put the gabosh on that and how it's all just digital now, right? So yeah. you know, changing your uh, kind of your focus into what you're doing now, right? But I mean, it seems like you've kind of married your two loves together here, right? You know, in terms of, uh, you know, love, him, cannabis, um, and, and music is, you know, obviously is a passion, right? So talk to me about him guitars and what this is and how this all comes about. Well, like, yeah, like you said, I coming from the music industry and how could I transitioned into something and still marry my passion and other interests and the hemp industry and starting events um, and then what products really interest me. So the first thing we started doing was T-shirts and hats. It's like I was doing that in the music industry and then posters. And it's like, 
there was a company called Canadian Hemp Guitars that started in 2013. And then I invited them to NOCO Hemp Expo in 2014, but they didn't reply. And then in 2015, there was a guitar rep in, in Colorado that brought one of the, their hemp guitars. And then I asked those guys if they'd start making me some guitars and they were also making ukuleles. And so they actually did make me a couple of guitars and we were going to have them basically private label for me. And they ran into some production issues. They were just a kind of a small outfit that were doing it on the side. And then I connected with these guys, the French brothers who behind me, which you see, but the audience won't see is I've got a bunch of hemp cabinets and they started making hemp speaker cabinets for me. And then amplifiers that are made out of a hemp board and made out of hemp wood and, um, we've just been working on this concept for about six years now and really dialing it in. And we're making really solid, well-built boutique hemp guitars and amplifiers and cabinets now, and just figuring it out with the materials that have been available. And I think that we'll continue to refine this and have a cool line of hemp guitars. We're not looking to replace Gibson or Fender or, you know, all the woods or anything that are out there. There's a lot of cool tone woods, but these guitars sound good. They play good. And, you know, I just think it's a cool novelty piece in a way that's not just straight novelty because they're really good guitars, um, but it's a good talking piece. People want to talk about it on podcasts or write about it in the media. And it just goes to show that here's another thing that can be done with hemp because you can do anything that you can make out of wood. Basically, you can make out of hemp or cotton. You can make out of hemp or petroleum supposedly we can figure out how to make out of hemp. We've still got ways to go with, you know, figuring out some of those technologies. But again, it's just another one of these things that, Hey, we're making guitars out of hemp. They sound good. They're cool. And we are replacing wood. You don't have to chop down any sort of trees to make these things. And just another thing. That's dope, man. That's dope. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, I remember the first time feeling uh, hemp hats and hemp shirts and you, you can feel it right. I mean, uh, uh, you, you mentioned already, right. People, who are listening right now, they won't be able to see this, but are those, you got a bunch of good guitars behind you. Any of those hemp guitars are still kind of, uh, most of them are the acoustic one back there is not. Um, there is a guy making can of guitars in Europe who uses a thing called hemp stone. It's basically a molded hemp material. And then he also incorporates some various exotic hemp woods and stuff. And he's making really cool stuff. So you can, I think it's can of guitars on Instagram. I'll definitely throw out a shout to that guy. And then there's another guy, Bug Out Guitars, that's on the East Coast here in Colorado or in the United States. It's been making some specialty one-off little hemp instruments. It's really cool. So I'm not the only guy that's been doing it. Um, and again, the more people that do this stuff, the better. I, you know, I don't want to try to control a hemp guitar market, but we're just doing stuff to show that it can be done. Exactly. I think, you know, competition is good, right? You know, it kind of... Uh innovation it pushes all that and pushes people things to be better and better um and i think that's kind of what's going on here like you said right it's not just a novelty thing i mean you know it's cool to have one on the wall it's cool for like you said a conversation piece somebody said oh what is that oh it's a hemp guitar right but if you can't pull that thing down and, and play with it and it sounds just as good as the gibson right then there's yep. really not going to be a point to it you know in the right. long term right there's not really a market there that can that can be made it's just something that's cool you know it's an art piece kind of thing so yeah so cool. And, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, kind of switching gears here to the live events, right. To the events, the trade shows, like you said, that was kind of the goal of NOCO hemp expo. Right. So, I mean, this has all been great and well, and we've heard about this and, and I mean, this has been people's bread and butter, right. I mean, it's been, here we are coming hopefully on the other end of uh, the pandemic, you know, and uh, things are opening up and they have been, and, and we had MJ BizCon this this year, and and things are things are happening again, right? So, I mean, talking about how, uh, you know, the what was the goal, obviously, of NoCo Hemp Expo, but talking to me as well, how things have kind of been impacted, obviously, with with COVID, and kind of what's the plan for the future now as as things are opening up. Three, two, one, two, ignition, lift off. We at Calican are passionate about cannabis and CBD marketing, branding, SEO content, and web design. If you are a cannabis owner and you know you need an uptick in business or an upgrade in the way your customers perceive you, come check us out at calican.com and schedule a time to speak with us today.
All right. Well, like I said, originally, we started this in 2014. It was started in a small bar in Windsor, Colorado with 350 people. And in 2019, we grew it up to 10,000 plus people. And it was really kind of the MJ biz of the hemp side of the industry. In 2020, we were going into it looking for 20,000 people and 450 exhibitors. And while we're not quite to the level of the THC industry, you know, CBD was booming and other things are starting to to materialize with the fiber and grain side. And, and, you know, having at the end of March, we were in California at the beginning of March for the natural products expo in Anaheim, which is a huge natural products trade show um, put on by new hope owned by Informa, who's another super large event company. And big, you know, basically they canceled when we were out there and it's like, Holy shit, here comes COVID and, South by Southwest canceled at the end of that week. And then we pulled the plug right after South by Southwest. Cause I was like looking at the music industry and if South by Southwest or AEG live nation and these guys that were like the show must go on type of folks, you know, we're going to continue on. It's like, well, we're going to continue on too. We're not going to fucking throw in the towel, but all of a sudden, wow, this is a real thing. And then the NBA canceled and it's like, all right, now we got to regroup and we pivoted to the cloud and, and tried to do stuff online like everybody. And we're still doing zoom stuff right now. Um, but we did pull off two shows last year. We did pull off NOCO in 2021 and Southern hemp expo. Uh, attendance was about a fourth to a third of what we would have expected. We had between five and 6,000 people at NOCO. We didn't have 20,000. We had a couple thousand people at Southern hemp expo. We didn't have 6,000 like we would have anticipated, um, so it's really been tough on conference, trade shows, music industry. It's been really tough on the on the show industry and the hospitality industry. And and you mentioned MJ Biz. Those guys fortunately had a window in October where Delta was minimizing. Omicron hadn't happened. People were anxious to come out to shows. They had a really good attendance out there. Um, MJ Unpacked also did their show in conjunction, which I think brought more people. And so, you know, the strip was happening. Lots of people were excited to come back out and be face to face. And the cannabis industry got a resurgence. Um, and, you know, we're hoping for the same thing with NOCO this year at the end of March. Hopefully Omicron is going to taper off here. And well, we're recording what the middle of January, whenever this broadcasts, you know, hopefully by the beginning of March, we're on the other side of there being a big spike. We're on the downturn. Um, I don't think that our governor's shutting down anything here in the state. He had said, in December, we're not shutting down anything. If people wanted to get vaxxed, they could get vaxxed. I'm not putting on any more restrictions. And being a Democrat saying that and kind of taking a more hands-off approach like Texas and Florida, I give him kudos for that. Uh-huh. Um, the lockdowns have not been good for anybody, I don't think. And again, I, trade shows are super important for all industries and particularly the hemp industry right now. We're a bit disheveled. The wind's been taken out of the industry, um, not only by not being able to gather, but there was a huge oversupply of CBD coming into 2020. And because of the FDA's lack of regulation and making this a dietary supplement and food and beverage ingredient, all of a sudden the lab guys have converted this to Delta eight and, and Delta nine and THC zero or THCO and all these other cannabinoids that are now supposedly hemp derived derivatives. And we've got, it's just a, it's a weird thing where the hemp industry is a a bit spiraling and we all need to get back together and, and kind of reconvene and reconnect and reorganize ourselves. So we're focused going into 2022 and 2023 and just getting our shit back together. Yeah, I mean, you bring up great points there in terms of, wow, you know, what not just the impact that COVID had on everything, but really, I think, you know, the saturation of the market and and people kind of losing losing their ass, right? Kind of kind of just really trying to regroup and just get back on their feet sometimes, right? And people oh, yeah. turn to the things that they probably wouldn't have turned to in, in the past, right? Just because they're like, you know, like Delta A came out of, I think, this desperation, you know, for sure. 
is. Do you know where it's like, shit, well, this didn't work. Well, maybe this will work. And just kind of like hit the market, hit the market hard. And, and, and people are eating it up. Right. Quite, quite yeah. literally, you know, so it's kind of like, uh, it, what does it do to us in this industry? You know, what does it do for us? You know, when, when now we're not self-regulating and we need to have outside regulation and we know how that's going to go, you know, and uh, you know how, how things come down hard on that regard. So yeah, I mean, wow. You know, we really do got to get our shit together and, and regroup because uh, what I've been seeing, you know, with, I think it's just, like I said, hopefully it's just desperation that people have been feeling, you know, in terms of trying to weather the storm of what's been going on with the oversaturation coupled with COVID and just, you know, and, and bring it back to, I think, really the integrity that the industry needs to have and that, it, that what brought it this far in the first place um, and not kind of like just you know, fracturing into kind of what, what we've been seeing. Right. And we do need to have a, a well thought out self-regulated industry where everybody's doing things above board and trying to put out the, the highest quality products and not cut corners and be legitimate. And the vast majority of people in the hemp space, and I think in the cannabis space too, do operate at that level. But uh-huh. you do have a bunch of yahoos out there that take advantage of people that are shysters and have stolen money, selling bad genetics, and they know it's bad, and they're just fucking farmers. And um, you know, hopefully through attrition, a lot of those folks are out of the industry now. I'm sure that we still have some culling to do. Um, but again, I think that we need to run a, an industry that's well self-regulated with the, the right ideals and the, and the right intentions. And that's what NOCO provides. That's what we've always provided. That's what we're going to continue to provide. And you know, I bring in leaders from across the globe who have that same mindset. And I think that the more we can surround ourselves with like-minded people that want to have a high integrity industry, that in the end, we're going to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope you're right too about the attrition part, because, you know, I think a lot of these dudes who come in, I mean, some of these guys have been shysters, trust me. A lot of the, the cannabis industry is always attracted uh, con men and shysters and people. I mean, that's just kind of been part of it from, for a long time, but all these guys too, just, these guys come in, they were in this before and they were in crypto and now they're going to go to psilocybin. And, you know, they're just always looking for the next thing to just put their money in to try and get something out and try and screw somebody. You know, they're, that's what con men do in general. Right. I mean, they, they move from one place until figure out what they people figure out who they are and they lose their reputation. They go and start off somewhere else. They move towns, you know, kind yeah, of thing. That's so, true. Yeah. Know, I don't, maybe we can't really get rid of all the, scammers and shysters and fraudsters out there, but at least we can identify them and know that they exist and still try to maintain integrity at the, okay. at the core of our industry. Yeah. Oh yeah. definitely. You know, and just, uh, that's why it's, uh, for us internally, we have a no asshole policy because there's always red flags, right? There's always red flags that pop up where it's just like, you know, uh, you, you can notice things when people are, uh, you know, trying to, uh, trying to take advantage of, of people and get take advantage of situations for sure. And, you know, in terms of, uh, the, the expo, I mean, you know, I know it's, it's kind of a bummer, you know, going from 10,000 to five or 6,000 after, you know, it was kind of, you know, the hope was for 20,000. Right. But I mean, that's not bad. I mean, honestly, it's, I don't know if it's just that we're, we're, we have to look at things from a different lens kind of a little bit as we're opening up. And, and like you said, you know, that window and, um, you know, I mean, how, how do you really gauge that window, right? Where, where, like you said, like, you know, in October, there's that, there's that, that's period of time, right? I mean, how can we really, it seems to be pretty just serendipitous, right? Or is there a way to really kind of take advantage of these moments and, and kind of have these uh, sliding, like, you know, sliding dates or anything like that? I know it's so tough when you have an event and you have vendors and you have, you know, space, location, everything like that. And, and is there any way to kind of, uh, uh, how, how do we do this moving forward is, is a more predictable way, assuming that just this is kind of the way it is right now. I think it's just kind of the way it is right now. We've, you know, we bumped no code from March till August in 2020. And then we had to bump it to 2021 because it just wasn't able to pull off anything in person in 2020. And now, you know, we're not moving no code where it's going on unless some crazy shit happens that we'd have to shut it down and the government shuts it down. Um, but 
you know, that's not the plan. Um, if I guess if we had to, we're going to pivot and do whatever we have to do. Uh, hopefully that we're on the backside of this now with uh-huh. people are vaccinated. There's a lot of natural immunity out there. There's therapeutics that have been available that have been shunned by the FDA, whether that's ivermectin and hydrochloricin and all this type of stuff that you look around the world, a lot of this stuff actually has provided um, relief and minimized symptoms and so forth and, and decreased hospitalizations and you know, some reason here in this country. And it all has to do with money and pharmaceutical industry, why those things have been shunned. And then you make people out to be the bad guy and everybody's a fucking conspiracy theorist and all this type of stuff. And um, the, the bottom line is there's a bunch of vaccines out there. There's a bunch of things, the therapeutics that are going to be able to minimize stuff. And there's a bunch of natural immunity out there. And this thing Really, it's the flu too now. It's the viruses decreasing their uh, in their deadliness, and we're seeing that happen now. Um, we're going to have to maintain this because coronavirus is with us, or COVID is with us for for the long haul now, mm-hmm. and we're just going to have to learn to live with it. And however we personally choose to do it, are we going to be mandated by our governments to? inject ourselves with things or are we going to be responsible for how we do our maintain our own bodies and that's another fight outside of just talking about the cannabis industry you know it's like do we have medical freedom or do we not have medical freedom yeah that coincides really with what you're saying you know in terms of how do we stand up and it's the same industry right so how do we stand up you know i was thinking you know you're the problem the thing is that all of us collectively are much stronger and powerful right than these dudes right you know and then wherever they are whatever they they is right whatever this whole thing you know but the fact of the matter is is that what happens is controlling the thought and and when people stop speaking up because they're scared to right they're scared to speak up or when they when they just regurgitate and parrot what they hear fed to them right from 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 wherever it is and, and anybody who goes against that is is automatically canceled shun all this stuff just for i mean it could be off the wall or it could be have a lot of basis in fact it doesn't matter if it doesn't if it goes against the the, the narrative right whether that be sure. real fact or whatever it's just we don't want to hear it right and how can a society progress like that and just in general you know Right. Well, when you got big tech basically censoring what Twitter and Facebook and all these platforms and, you know, you might not agree with Trump. I mean, I think Trump's a fucking asshole, but he just he's always been an asshole. What are you going to do? You know, yeah, I mean, shutting down and and can't, you know, and and deplatforming all these people that you disagree with. And you're going to try to deplatform Joe Rogan and all these different doctors and scientists that disagree with the science that's getting put out by the pharmaceutical industry, which is really bought and paid for science. It's not like Uh this is peer reviewed where it's the debate goes on with science. It's like, there's always a debate. There's always skepticism. And when all that gets shut down, then what are we living in? I mean, are we living in China all across the world now where there is no differing opinion? We can't have that. I mean, I disagree with a lot of people on the right. I disagree with a lot of people on the left. And we should have that opportunity to be able to disagree and at least have conversations. And hopefully we're not um, just so hateful and angry towards each other. We should be able to have discussions. We can disagree, but we still generally as humans, we agree on most things. We all have families. We all have, you know, we all want to have a nice life and to take care of our families and our friends. Um, We agree on a lot more than we disagree on. There's no doubt. I mean, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, right. In terms of disagreeing with people on the left, disagreeing with people on the right. And that's kind of what's, what's happened is that the, the spectrum has gotten so uh, what's the right word. Everybody's gotten so extreme, right. Of course, if you talk about the extreme left, the extreme, right. I mean, it's just, it's just absolute utter insanity, but these have been the um, you know, the platforms that have been given more 
attention, right? And, and we're expected to believe that this is the way the world believes when really we're not. Most of us are, are moderate. Most of us like, yeah. believe the same, right? But when every, when every single voice you hear is from the extreme left, the extreme right, the extreme left, and it's just what's been shown all the time, I mean, of course, we're going to, you know, the, the whole, that's the whole point is to make us think that this is the way that we should think that we need to pick a side on this side or that side. Right. And if you don't agree with every single thing that this one platform believes in, then you're, it's all or nothing. Right. It's just absolute insanity, you know, absolute yeah. insanity. Yeah. And our, our media has just done an amazing job at dividing people from CNN and Fox and NBC and even NPR. Now it's like, it, here's left versus right and everybody's anti-vax or pro-vax or uh -huh. it's just it's hate your neighbor instead of love your neighbor and it's just uh -huh. so fucked up uh -huh. you know it's love thy neighbor don't be an asshole 100 100%, 100% you know <laughs> the golden rule right you know yeah. you want to someone else what you want on yourself and uh, we've lost sight of all this stuff and chosen labels or or you know subconsciously had labels uh kind of you know put in our psyche and, and that's what we're kind of carrying around with us you know so um it's a uh, a wild time to be right i think you're right in terms of things are a lot different than they were in 2020 in terms of, you know, live events and people being able to open up. Why? Because that, that was a, there was so much unknown then, right. That was before people were vaccinated or immunity and everything else going on. And, uh, and, you know, I think aside from that, we have a lot of fatigue from it as well. And people are just like, you know, anxious to get out there and uh, want to be out there. People and, are, Definitely fatigued with oh, yeah. all of this. Oh, yeah. And when it comes to live events and going out to, you know, public places, we all have a choice. And if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you want to be vaxxed, be, you know, whatever's going to make you feel safe, we all have choices. And this is how we're going to have to to live in this new world, the post pandemic. This is the new normal is how do you want to live your life? Um, do you want to live in fear? What's going to make you not fearful? Um, we all have our choice to make. And if the choice is to stay home, then stay home. But don't yep. knock somebody else for for wanting, you know, I mean, imagine, uh, you know, I remember uh, sex ed, right? You know, they said the only 100% is abstinence. You know, that's the only thing that's at home 100%. Well, guess what? How, how, how well did that work? You know, uh, yep. you know, that's not going to work and it's not going to help the... Uh, the species continue to, you know, to bring everything. So it's just not a, and the same thing here, right? If you just, everybody who just expects for us to stop living our life and expects that if, if you, well, you're the reason why it's continuing to spread. You're the reason why there's more variants. You're the reason. I mean, this is just uh, it's always going to be insanity, you know, going on and on and on. So. Yeah. You can, variants are going to happen. That's the, it just is what it is. I mean, variants will happen all across the world. There's going to be different rates of vaccination. And a lot of these variants don't give a fuck about vaccination. So it's like, it is what it is. It's going to be with us. It's going to mutate just like the flu has. And some will be more deadly than others. And again, we're just going to have to live with it. Humans, homo sapiens have been dealing with this shit ever since we came into existence. And so have other species. So it's like, oh, yeah. You know, we, we can't control nature. In the end, nature wins. We're not going to be able to beat Mother Nature, period. She wins. She'll fucking kick our ass. And she's going to, when she wants to be done with us, she's going to be done with us. And that's kind of ties into what we were talking about at the beginning, right? You know, in terms of sucking resources dry and, and kind of uh, we're maybe feeling a little bit of that backlash, you know, and uh, how far is it going to be able to take us? So. Um, you know, talking about, uh, you know, the, the future, right. You know, talking about, uh, where we're going to be in terms of events and where we're going to be in terms of, uh, this, uh, you know, COVID and everything else going on, but also, you know, talking about kind of markets, right. And I know something that you're excited about and something that you've, you know, mentioned is, you know, what, what's kind of next in, in terms of, um, growing markets. Right. And I know the, the, the Mexican market is something that's interesting to you. Right. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah. So I've been going down to Mexico a lot since like 2018 and I participated in some events down there. I had a couple of little um, meetups 
conversations in Cabo. We did one in 2020 just to get the hell out of the United States. And we left for the election. I didn't want to be in the States when with the election with Trump and Biden, you never know what was going to go on. So I went down for like five weeks and just got the fuck out of the country. Um, But I participated in an event called Cannabis Salute that uh, Lorena Beltran puts on. Um, There's also Expo Weed down there. And now that Mexico is legalizing across the board with recreational, medicinal, industrial hemp. Um, I'm going to be partnering up with some folks down there and we're going to be kind of doing this experience hemp Mexico, um, whether that's going to be the title or not, but we've uh, there's a group of us that are looking at doing some event oriented stuff to really bring the industrial hemp side of things to Mexico. There's a lot of manufacturing that's still in Mexico. There's auto manufacturing, obviously there's construction, um, there's the, the building industry. Yeah. I mean, the, the construction industry, there's bioplastics, there's food, there's great agriculture down there. So I think that there's an opportunity for industrial hemp to really be a significant agriculture addition rotation into what's already going on down there. And yeah, the, the cannabis market, it's going to, it's going to be the biggest legal cannabis market in the world after everything really goes through, um, what is now Canada? And then you've got Germany that's going to fully legalize. But, you know, Mexico is going to be the biggest until the U.S. does it. But who knows? Again, we already talked about that, whether it happens during this administration or not. I'm, I was hopeful. I'm not hopeful now, but I am hopeful about Mexico and that there can be some great opportunities for industrial hemp down there. Mm, definitely. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I lived in Mexico City growing up. My mom's from Mexico. And, um, you know, one thing that another factor that plays into Mexico, you know, we talk about stigma a lot and there's a whole different stigma that goes on in Mexico than we have to deal with in America. Right. I mean, when we talk about, you know, reefer madness, going to get you high, all this, you know, whatever else it is. Right. I think in Mexico and just in South Central America, South America, you see that cannabis has been run by the cartels, right. Historically. And there's, been people, you know, we talk about the war on drugs up here. There's people who've been families have been affected by the the wars with the cartels and everything going on like that, just as bystanders, right? You know, just kind of uh, being, being um, you know, whole towns, pueblos, cities being overtaken, right? I mean, how does that, you know, based on your research, seems like you have a pretty good pulse on it, right? You know, and, um, you know, spending five weeks on there and then been doing, been doing your research here for a few years, how does that kind of play into how are people kind of um, able to put that aside and, and kind of adopt this now after so many generations of that kind of uh, that stigma and, and that reality? Well, that's a good question. And I'm d- certainly not an expert on that. And I don't have probably a real solid opinion there. I do think that it's going to be important to engage the the farmers there and allow them to participate and you know the cartel side of things it seems like it's fairly intertwined with the government and they've got whatever this oh yeah the corruption symbiotic relationship I mean, the, the, the corruption you know the corruption in mexico is the same as it is in america i always said it was like they're they're all corrupt the problem is that america is just re- way better at being corrupt you know that's that's the problem you know in mexico i mean they're pretty it's pretty open you know i mean just with the quote-unquote elections and people getting killed and you know just uh it's, it's just absolutely wild you know how right they, and really they really are you know where where are they making their money? What's their emphasis as a cartel? I mean, is it in cannabis anymore? Or is it really more in, you know, opium or meth or cocaine or avocados? I hear the avocado thing is like a, a big money maker. Avocado the wars. Now. There's no doubt about it. The avocados are another thing. It's crazy. And so, I, you know, with industrial hemp, here's a waste material that, you know, is this something that it's really more of a commodity thing where it's not high value and they're not going to give a shit about it as much because there's not as much money to be made. We want to build houses with it. And it's really low margin stuff where farmers can still make money and it's good for the country. And maybe the cartels like, all right, we want the country to still be able to build houses and commercial facilities and eat food. And we're not going to really be involved with that too much. So I'm kind of hoping that's the case and they don't want to kill me. (laughs) 
No, definitely. I mean, listen, my dad was a gringo living in Mexico and uh, the gringo usually uh, is the one that, uh, that did not get caught up in the stuff and able to make, you know, changes in that regard, you know? So, and I don't mean that, uh, you know, uh, offensively at all, you know, so, sure. and, you know, the point being is, uh, you know, it's definitely uh, something to, to keep an eye on, but you know, the, at, the fact, at the end of the day, people there, once again, just like you said, no different than they are, here than they are anywhere in the world. People just want to be able to take care of their families, just want to be able to, to be with their friends. And, and it's the same exact thing, right? So I think the people of Mexico are, are desperate for this industry to be able to take hold and for this to be able to be something that, that could be uh, legit and that people could be able to partake in, you know? Right. I mean, if, you know, can they make a living by participating in growing this crop and be able to feed uh-huh. their family and, uh-huh. and live a comfortable life or a better life and not be, you know, at risk with those, the powers that be that could take them out or make their lives miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're right. I mean, everybody, people across the world just want to be able to take care of their families and, and live life and enjoy it without being, you know, miserable. <laughs> No doubt about it. Now, you know, you got a lot of stuff going on. I mean, we haven't even uh, touched base on WAFPA, right? I mean, the president of We Are For Better Alternatives. I mean, what, what can we uh, what can we touch on here with this? WAFPA really is just like the the umbrella, the holding entity for all of the brands that we've created with NOCO and Let's Talk Hemp and Southern Hemp Expo and Silver Mountain Hemp Guitars and Tree Free Hemp Paper and um, that's really, it's just a, it's an umbrella of all the things that we've created over the course of the last 10 years, Colorado hemp company turns 10 years old this year in March. So that was the, the very first entity in 2012, we started Colorado hemp company and then tree free hemp, then NOCO. And then we created WAFPA to kind of hold all these little brands that we were creating. And now there's like eight, nine, 10 of them under the umbrella. And, and really WAFPA is we are for better alternatives. Hemp's a better alternative. It's not the only alternative. There's other really good alternatives out there. Like you said, psilocybin or functional medicinal mushrooms. You can also make packaging out of mycelium and mushrooms and build stuff and insulation. And, you know, there's all these natural materials out there that can provide better alternatives than petroleum can. And that's Uh why that's really the platform. It's not all about hemp, but hemp is a good platform to start talking about these other things as well. And, and, you know, a lot of good stuff here, as you mentioned, you know, Hempco and No Hempco, uh, Noco Hemp Expo, Tree Free Hemp, Silver Mountain Hemp Guitars, a lot of great stuff, forward thinking. um, And these are better alternatives, obviously. So, I mean, considering you have so many stuff going on, right? I mean, COVID aside, because obviously that's just been something that's, that's been uh, super challenging to, to overcome, right? I mean, what's kind of been your biggest obstacle that you've had to face or what's the biggest obstacle you're facing now and, and how are you able to overcome that? Well, the biggest obstacle is the, the, the events are the biggest revenue drivers or have been traditionally for us. And that's impacted, been impacted because of COVID and not being able to have the exhibitor attendance or, you know, conference attendance. And so we're trying to regroup there and, and get these events going again and be able to have more revenue gender generated, more attendees um, working on the hemp paper side of things. That's been a, a building block since 2013 and there's more mills starting to make hemp paper. Now there's Mohawk, uh, paper out of New York. There's Cottrell paper out of New York. Um, there's a couple other mills that are looking to incorporate hemp into their feedstock for making hemp paper. Um, our media platform, Let's Talk Hemp, has just released a 2022 opportunities report that just came out, uh, I think, on January 11th, January 12th. So um, if people are interested in kind of a snapshot of what happened in 2021 um, and what we're expecting in 2022, it's a, it's a good little 50 page overview of, of the marketplace right now. And we're going to continue to do more on the media side of things and really shine the light on folks that are doing great things in the industry and, and leading by example. Um, again, I think that the industry itself really needs 
it needs investment money, which has been held up by the bureaucracy of the FDA and our government, where people have like, well, shit, you know, these guys aren't allowing CBD and and food additives and stuff. Um, and that, that's just scared the investor market for these other things, fiber and grain side. we got to build out processing and, and infrastructure. And, and I think that that's going to open up. There's been a lot of emphasis on having Congress pass legislation that will force the FDA to regulate it. And once that happens and more investment money comes into building out the infrastructure and the supply chain of the industry, then you're going to see more jobs and, and local economies and more farmers wanting to jump back into the marketplace after being scared of the losing all their money in the CBD side and taken advantage of by these people that have come out of the cannabis side of things that are fucking shysters like we talked about before. Um, so I see that the, the opportunity is there as we come out of the pandemic. And if we can get the FDA to finally regulate things like they should, and that's going to take an act of Congress to do that. But I think that hopefully that's going to happen this year. Yeah, definitely a lot. You know, I think you mentioned the, the attrition and really um, it's been difficult, right? It's been difficult for so many people, but those who are still here, I think there's a great opportunity here within this industry still, you know, to, uh, to, to continue on in, in the way that really was, was meant to be um, from the first place. Right. I think we're still here. Um, are people who really, really have that integrity to keep going, who, who are doing things for the right reasons. And, uh, and that's what I gather, from, you know, from you and everything you guys are doing there with LOFPA. And uh, it's, uh, it's really exciting, you know, um, you know, obviously navigating through this time has been very difficult, but, uh, you know, uh, wishing you definitely all the best, you know, and as we move forward, I guess, you know, what can we expect from WAFPA moving forward? Uh, anything exciting here and the plethora of, uh, of, uh, of projects that you have here. I know the hemp guitar is one thing, right? And uh, anything else kind of that we have excited to, to look forward here? Um, I just think that moving forward, we're going to see a lot more emphasis on the fiber and grain side. The cannabinoid side is going to play itself out like it will. It's not like we don't have a overabundance of that in the marketplace. And there will still be some cool innovation that happens with that on the extraction side and the minor cannabinoids and so forth. But industrial hemp will start to show and realize its promise with more grain production, more fiber production, more on the construction side, bioplastics, animal feed, um, environmental carbon sequestration, carbon credits for farmers, traditional farmers getting more and more involved rather than kind of a lot of the cannabis gardener, greenhouse guys that will still do their stuff on the, the cannabinoid side. But um, real farming is where it's going to be at when it comes to industrial hemp. And again, that's why I'm excited about Mexico. We're going to be exploring Mexico more and more here in 2022 and 2023. Um, and I'm just excited about NOCO this year in March and Southern Hemp Expo, which will be in August in Nashville. We were there for two years, 2018, 2019. We moved to Raleigh, North Carolina in 2021. We're moving back to Nashville here in 2022. So we've got two big events here in the U.S. and then whatever we do in Mexico a little bit later in the year. Exciting, exciting for sure, especially, you know, talking about uh, the, the, uh, the in-person stuff. Uh, too. Yeah. It's exciting. Um, and, and a lot to come for sure. Now, Morris, before I let you go, you know, it's been incredible talk for sure. Um, you know, I, I always, I gotta ask, I always ask all the guests that come on, you know, how do you define success, whether it be professional, personal, spiritual, anything otherwise, right? What does success look like for you? Hmm. Well, success for me is really just being comfortable and happy with who I am and, and those around me, um, I guess, not that I care about how I'm perceived because I kind of have this zero fucks given type attitude. Um, but, you know, as long as I can feel content within my own skin that I'm living my best life and I'm providing the best example I can that I can do something impactful for my children and their children and, and society as a whole and trying to leave this earth in a better place than when I came here. Um, 
I guess that's how I define it. And, you know, I'm trying to do that right now. I certainly have my shortcomings and my failings, but every day I try to be a better person than I was yesterday. And I'm going to just continue to do that. Amazing. I think, you know, that, that's kind of the key, right. You know, um, giving zero fucks, but at the same time, of course, you know, uh, pushing forward and, 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 you know, making an impact, you know, for sure. So, uh, now as we close, you know, how can we just find out more about Waffbuff, find out more about um, all the different ventures that we have going on, whether it be Let's Talk Hemp, whether it be NOCO Hemp Expo, which I know has uh, got a couple of events and everything going on. How can they uh, find all, more about all this stuff and connect with you? So you can go to WAFBA, W-A-F-B dot org or morrisbeagle.com. And that's B-E-E-G-L-E. And you can get links to all the different things that I'm doing and find out what I'm doing. All my social media links are up there and yeah. Follow me on social media. LinkedIn's a good place to connect with me on there and on Instagram and Facebook as well. And Twitter. Amazing. Amazing. Well, cool. So everybody, you know, check out the links here. They'll be in the, in the right up uh, wherever you're listening and uh, we appreciate you wherever you're listening. Thanks for listening today with us uh, here with, with Morris and Morris. Thank you so much for, for coming on today. It was really, really uh, eye opening and not just talking about stuff with the industry, but also, you know, uh, your worldly knowledge and, and the way you look at the world. I really enjoyed a lot of the topics that we touched on here today. So good luck to you the rest of the year and beyond. All right. Thanks again. And keep up the great work and having this platform to let people come on and, and talk about cannabis as a whole. Thank you. Great so job. Much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Dank Discussions. We are so grateful for each and every one of you. Please make sure you subscribe and leave a review. We want to continue making dank content you want to hear, so give us some feedback about the topics you want covered. Feel free to reach out to us at grow at calican.com. That's G-R-O-W at C-A-L-A-C-A-N-N.com. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter for our latest updates.